Hello and welcome to Z3 News. I'm James Bailey and today is Saturday, July 27, 2019. My topic today is part two of my series, Revealing Mystery Babylon. And the purpose for this series is to help you prepare for the days ahead because the Bible warns that a time of unprecedented trouble is coming before the Lord returns. And I believe he's coming in our generation. I recently did an in-depth study on that topic, and it was shared in part two of my book, Remnant, because I wanted people to understand that this remnant that I described in part one is not coming hundreds of years into the future, but is coming in our generation. And I based my study on the signs of the times that Jesus gave us to watch uh, for the time of his return. And he said in Matthew 24 that the generation that sees these signs being fulfilled will not pass away until all of them are fulfilled. And I was able to document eight signs that have accelerated significantly. And what's interesting about that is the time that they started accelerating in the fulfillment centered around 1967, the year the Jewish people reclaimed Jerusalem. And I believe that event marked the beginning of the season of his return. And so these things, I believe, are coming. There, There's an acceleration. It started then. It's been accelerating for 50 years, 50-plus years, and it's continuing to accelerate and will continue until he returns because, as he described, it's like a woman with birth pangs. The contractions at first are spread apart, but they come closer and closer together as you get closer to the time of the delivery. And so that's what we're experiencing, and we're seeing the world changing rapidly now, right before our eyes. And I did a podcast uh, recently called The Transformation of the World by 2036. But this is all about helping you prepare for these things that are coming. And the way the Lord prepared for his time of trouble when he went to the cross, the Bible says that, for the joy that was set before him, he endured uh, the pain and the shame of what he had to go through. And that's how we're going to get through it, too. We have to be able to see through it to be able to see the big picture. So we want to be able to see what's operating and not be surprised by it. We're going to see it coming from a long ways off. And fear is going to try to grip the world. But when you see it ahead of time, and you know what this spirit operating behind it is trying to do, trying to control us through fear, and you, you understand what time it is and what these signs mean, and you see the whole scheme, you know, it's like those directories at the mall where you see the whole layout, you kind of zoom out, and then you see the little dot, and it says, you are here. And it's like, oh, I thought I was way over here. So it's helpful to zoom out. You know, the old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. We need to see the forest. 
And it gives you a perspective when you understand, based on the scriptures, based on the facts of history. You have a solid foundation of understanding that gives you a perspective that you know where we are. And so then when you hear other people, and it doesn't matter who it is, it may be your pastor, it may be your close friends, your, you know, your close Christian friends, it could be anybody. But when you hear people talking about where, you know, current events, future events, whatever, it gives you discernment. So you can instantly recognize when someone is saying something that's off. It's like, it's not even difficult. You're like, immediately, no, that's not right. Sorry, that is not where we are. And unfortunately, there are lots of voices out there spreading confusion. And so, you know, if, we're, if we don't know, then we get tossed this way, you know, so-and-so said this and so-and-so said that. And, you know, we, we're just tossed like the wind to and fro. So we don't want to be like that. And that's what this study is all about. And I've been studying history a lot lately, and one of the things that jumped out at me as I you know, watch all these documentaries and videos, is just the incredible uh, trouble and trials that previous generations have endured going back thousands of years. You know, they didn't have, first of all, they didn't have the luxuries that we have today. You know, of course, they didn't have electricity and air conditioning and cars and everything else. But then on top of that, you know, they endured all sorts of... Uh, wars and uh, persecutions and people being burned at the stake and people being uh, beheaded and just all kinds of trouble that they endured. But yet the Bible warns that the generation before the Lord returns will see unprecedented trouble. And so it's like, well, if it's worse than what they went through, that's pretty bad. But yet, when you look at our generation, you know, we talk about the millennials. They're referred to sometimes as snowflakes, the snowflake generation, because they melt so easily. Well, let's zoom out and look at our whole generation compared to previous generations. And we've never really had to endure. And I know we we go through things and we all have our, our trials and troubles and the Lord uses all of it for good for his purposes, but I'm talking about the kind of traumatic trouble that previous generations have endured. Most of us today have never seen anything like it. We've never, uh, most of us have never had to sleep outside, miss meals, or certainly not watch uh, people right in front of us being killed, you know, traumatic kinds of things. And so I think this study is so important so that we have this perspective that we see what's operating. We see what the scheme of the enemy, what he's trying to do as far as bringing fear upon the world and bringing deception upon the world. And since those things are coming, we want to be prepared because there is a remnant that is going to walk through all sorts of adversity, but yet we're going to not be moved by it. And that's what I wrote about in the Remnant book, because I saw that in my dream, that there was a group of people that 
stayed focused straight ahead. And uh, in one section, I described them as war horses because a war horse runs through the battle with bullets and bombs exploding all around them, and they are not moved because they keep their eyes fixed straight ahead, so nothing deters them. And the devil cannot intimidate us, and his entire scheme is built around fear, and if he can't make you afraid, he has nothing left. And he gets afraid at that point when he sees uh, Christian soldiers filled with the Spirit of God the peace of God, and no fear, and doing what God says to do, we become an unstoppable force. And that's how we become that army that Joel saw and described in Joel chapter 2. And so we need to understand that we win. We prevail. And I know there's trouble coming upon the world, and we've posted many things on Z3News.com. People have received insights from God about dreams and visions, showing things coming. But I want to emphasize that God has already given us the victory. He's given us everything we need to prevail in every circumstance, so that no matter what adversity comes our way, we overcome and we stay filled with peace, and we have the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and understanding, and we become like a light, like a torch that others in this dark hour can say, look at this, this, what is this? These people are full of joy and peace. This doesn't make sense. What's going on? And so we become the fulfillment of what Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter 60, of darkness covering the whole earth, but the light of God arising in His people. Okay, so what we're doing is we're studying history from the perspective of the Scriptures, and I want to start back where we left off last time. We were talking about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in that passage in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it's describing what happened, and it says that Eve, when she saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes. That was where the problem came in, right there, because what happened was she relied on what she saw out there more than what she knew in her inner person, in her heart, in her spirit, because she knew what God had spoken to Adam regarding this tree but yet she discarded that because she put more confidence in what she saw with her eyes in the physical realm. And that event marks the beginning of a pattern of behavior that runs all throughout history in Babylon. So the inhabitants of Babylon rely more on what they see happening around them in the, in the physical realm. They trust more on what they see with their physical eyes so that they discard the commandments of God and the inner witness, the inner leading of the Holy Spirit and their conscience. And so after the flood, as the earth was repopulated by Noah's sons and their wives, there remained a remnant that adhered to Noah's teachings, which he received from his father and his grandfather, and on and on. But 
it wasn't very long, you know, when you get to Noah's grandsons and those generations that followed, they began to make the same mistake that Eve made. They began to trust more what they saw with their eyes. And so they wanted to have gods that they could see. And they wanted, so they built for themselves gods of wood and stone, and they began to worship idols. And what's interesting about their idols is they were based on things in the physical realm. They would have the god of the sun, the god of the moon, the god of gods and goddesses of different planets like Mars and Venus and Neptune and Jupiter. And, you know, these names changed over time, but they were based on those things in the physical realm, and they always had a physical presence, a physical statue, or in some cases it was small, like a little figurine. And they began to build cities throughout that area of Mesopotamia, and in every city at the center was a temple that typically was built up like a very high tower, and at the very top was the the home of their goddess. Typically it was a goddess. They had gods and goddesses. They had 3,600 of these gods and goddesses, and they worshipped them. And I'm going to get into that more in future episodes, but I just wanted to mention that that's the foundation of it. It's all based on the physical realm. And even in the Bible, it talks about Rachel, who became the, the wife of Jacob and uh, later the mother of Joseph and Benjamin. Um, back in the days when she was uh, living with her father and uh, Jacob was there um, working for her uncle, it says in Genesis thirty-one nineteen that she stole the household idols that belonged to her father. And so it gives you a picture that these Bible characters that we uh, know their stories um, they grew up in this environment of idolatry. It was rampant throughout that region. And the same thing is true for Abram, who became Abraham. He lived in the city of Ur, which was constructed and operated the same as the other cities in that region, all filled with idolatry. So these are warning signs when you see people operating relying on the physical realm, that lets you know that they are not relying on the inner witness, the relationship that they, a personal relationship with God um, who lives on the inside because Jesus said they that worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. So his people do not look to the physical realm. And so our promises, the promises that God has made to us, are not based on anything out there, but everything He's given us, He's deposited on the inside of us. And I saw not too long ago where Pope Francis made a statement that it was dangerous to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because when you have a personal relationship, it becomes one-on-one, -on -one and you don't need any man to mediate in between you and him, because the scriptures tell us 
Jesus is the mediator. We don't need another man to stand between us and him. But this is the spirit that Jesus warned us about when he said that they will come in my name. In other words, they try to put themselves in between. They try to make themselves an essential requirement so that you have to look to the church. You have to look to a man to uh, complete your relationship with God. But Jesus said that wherever two or three gather in his name, there he is in the midst. And what's amazing about that statement is there's no priest there. There's no bishop or archbishop or cardinal or pope or pastor or anything else. Just uh, any two believers coming together in his name, we have church, according to Jesus. That's what he said. He's there. And if the head of the church shows up, then that's good enough for me. And of course, he's promised, you know, that he's always with us. And we know that in our inner man by faith. It's not based on anything else. And so that completely uh, separates us from this realm of Babylon because they look to all those kinds of things. I remember I got in a taxi and more than one occasion I've seen where they have their little row of statues on the dashboard. They're all their little idols. And, you know, you might look at that and say, oh, look at that. They really are a God-fearing person. Well, yeah, maybe, but not the God that we know, not the God of the Bible, because he's not a God of, of, of uh, little idols. And so even though today we don't live under the law as they did in the days of the Old Testament, we can still learn a lot about our God by the commandments he gave us. And in looking at the Ten Commandments, um, he dealt right up front with this whole issue of idolatry and living in the physical realm. And it says in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 6, says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments." And so anybody who wants to please the one true God must get rid of all little idols and not put your trust in any of those things. And not only that, but don't put your trust in anything out there in that physical realm. And all throughout history, this idolatry has been practiced in all sorts of different ways. For example, back during medieval times, Selling and buying religious relics was a huge business. People would pay a lot of money to have a little fragment of the cross or to have some holy water that came from the holy land. And they still sell these things today in Jerusalem and different places around the world. And people think that if they can have this physical object in their possession, that that gives them 
some kind of special status. It puts them in a special position where they get favor from God because they have this physical object. And it becomes like the movie The Lord of the Rings, that whoever possesses the ring, somehow that gives them this supernatural power. And someone might say, well, you know, that's just a movie. We know it's not real. Well, it is real because it's the exact same thing that's happened throughout history. And today we might not call it the ring, but we call it, you know, we have our holy beads. We have our um, holy chalice and we have our statues. We have our fancy um, stained glass windows, our um, fancy robes that um, our leaders wear. We have the bells, we have the ornate pews, wood-carved pews, um, all those things that are equated with um, spirituality, that you're in a holy place because you have all these things around you, while totally ignoring the most important uh, issues that are in the unseen realm within our heart. So Babylon is rooted in the earthly realm, the physical earthly realm. And that's why when we fast forward all the way to the end in Revelation 13, we see two beasts, and they both have to do with coming up out of the earth. The first beast is the one we often call the Antichrist, and the second is the one we call the false prophet, based on Revelation chapter 19. But they play different roles, but these two beasts are the culmination of every seed sown throughout history in this Babylonian mindset. And the first beast, it says he arises out of the sea, but it also says that in Revelation 17, verse 8, it says the beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. So he comes up out of the pit, and the second beast, the false prophet, it says that he arises up out of the earth, and that is a continuation of how these pagan worshipers who worship the god called Mithras, going way back thousands of years ago in the Roman Empire and even before that, they would worship this god, and they would go down they would have their worship services underground, and then they would come up out of the ground. And they were trying to imitate the movements of the sun as they would see the sun going down in, uh, below the horizon and then coming up um, out of the horizon in the morning. So they were trying to imitate and honor this God in that way. And so it's no coincidence that this second beast arises up out of the earth. Now, this is a theme that runs throughout all of history in Babylon, and by being aware of it, it helps us have discernment as to recognize what is operating around us, because it is the opposite of what God instructs His people, where He said that as many as are led by My Spirit, they are the sons of God. The children of God are led by the inner witness of the Holy Spirit and the commandments that God has given us that have absolutely nothing to do with anything happening out there. In other words, what we have to do, what He asks us to do to qualify, and what He's promised to do in behalf of, uh, of those who qualify, 
they make no mention of it's not it's not dependent upon anything out there all we have to do is do what he said and believe uh, that he will do his part when we do our part and that's all that's required to qualify for right standing with him and so we want to be wise and discerning in our own life as to how we operate because um, we can slip into that old natural mindset because um, we all came out of that and it you know it comes natural to our way of thinking that you know we have to have our mind renewed to God's way of thinking that we don't think like that and uh, for example um, people who are aware of the uh, end time prophecies and they uh, are in tune with God and some people are, are being given instructions about specific um, cities or regions which we're calling safe zones and so people will um, inquire and say hey can you give me a list of the safe zones and I believe in the safe zones I mean God's revealing them to different people and uh, there's various ones around the country that supposedly according to what these people are getting from him and I haven't personally been shown anything like this so I can't you know testify about that but I believe some of these other people because I've gotten to know them through Z3 News and I believe they're people who do hear from God and they're um, hearing about places to go where it's safe but the problem is the biggest problem with the safe zones is the people who go there because it's only safe um, if you're um, there by faith if you're going out of fear well then you're bringing a big wide open door for the enemy to come in with you you're not going to be safe um, just by moving to a, an, a different physical address the safety that we have is by being is by qualifying to receive what God has promised to do for us and so we can be safe I mean if you're where you're supposed to be with God then you don't need to worry about a safe zone the only people that need to go to a safe zone are the people that God directs to go there and I believe he will I believe he will make some supernatural connections and that he'll use those places whatever but if but if you're going there um, for any other reason then the leading of the inner witness of the Holy Spirit um, trouble will find you um, whatever you're running from will catch up with you because there is no safety in that realm and that's the point and so as long as I'm meddling in everyone's business um, I want to bring up another example and that is a lot of Christians are basing their um, perception of what's happening in the world today uh, almost completely on an anonymous person called QAnon who posts different statements and insights into supposedly behind-the-scenes events within the Trump administration and all these great things that are going to come about and that is the foundation of their confidence of everything they believe and it's a voice out there of an unknown person and it's like what in the world that is a great example I think of Babylon operating it's that's not the way God operates he shows us we have a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship and he will 
bring us, if we, if we seek him, he will bring us what uh, information we require to gain the understanding and the knowledge that we need. We do not go seeking after um, some anonymous source um, who's going to give us these secret answers because the devil operates in that physical realm and he is very skilled at deception. He's been practicing this for all throughout time and he's gotten pretty good at it. So he's going to give you just enough information to make it sound like, well, surely if he was a, a, a phony, he wouldn't be saying that kind of thing. Well, he's going to purposely give you enough of those kinds of things to deceive you. And that's why it talks about Satan comes to us as an angel of light, bringing what appears to be good things. Otherwise, nobody would fall fall for the scheme, right? He's very um, crafty when it comes to deception. But there are all sorts of examples of what we must be on guard against when it comes to knowing the truth, knowing the times that we're living in. Another example is just relying on what your pastor said or what some Christian leader said and that that becomes your view because that's their view and they seem like they know what they're talking about. Well, we're not led that way these days. That was the Old Testament. God spoke through prophets and that was the word of the Lord and the people uh, were expected to, uh, you know, believe and receive and do accordingly. We're not living in those days. We each, each of us today has direct access to the throne room of God, and we can go there every day, and we can have an encounter with God, we can be filled with His Spirit, and we can know for ourselves. We do not have to uh, look, you know, and and that's the thing is the the whole prophetic ministry. People come looking, can you tell me what's going to happen with this or that? Well, you know, you have access and God will use that, but he uses the prophetic to confirm. You do not go seeking after it. It's given as to as just to confirm what he's already shown you. And so anything going beyond that, you're crossing a boundary. You're setting yourself up for a disaster because it's not God's gift is not is not designed to operate in the in the realm out there that you go seeking out there. So when you say, well, it's a Christian site, you know, it's Christian, right? But it's not, it doesn't operate that way. God requires each of us to come to him directly to know in our inner man what is he leading us to do. And if we're not sure, go back to him and, and he'll send, if we need help, he will use other people and he'll send it to us. But it, it all centers around that relationship, that direct one-on-one relationship with him. And that's what's going to see us through the trouble that's coming ahead. Those who know him, that's the whole key. It's all based on the inner witness. And, of course, it always has to align with his word. So we have two guides, confirmation, that gives us all the confidence that we need to know that we're in the right place and we're doing what he gave us to do. And now when you do that, of course, people around you are not going to understand because it doesn't make sense to them. And that's a good sign because the spiritual things are never going to make sense to a naturally minded person. 
So it, it's a clue that you, it's a confirmation that you probably on the right trail because the, the foundations of these two kingdoms are completely different. And this kind of wrong thinking, this kind of Babylonian thinking has so infiltrated the church that it, it affects the way you know, Christians will view um, what's happening in the lives of other Christians. And of course, it's always given a Christian spin. So, you know, it's presented as if it's like, um, you know, maybe throw in a few scripture verses and brother, you know, I'm just a little bit concerned about, you know, where you are right now. And why are they concerned? If all the reasons that they give are based on the way things appear, on the outward appearance, then they are giving you the counsel of Babylon. And you can just dismiss that and move on. And this is what happens because in the natural, the, the natural understanding, if things are going well, and if all your circumstances appear to be overflowing with good blessings and good fruit and all kinds of all everything just wonderful, well, then they think, oh, well, you're really um, right with God. But if you encounter um, any kind of trouble, if something goes wrong, something out there, something in your life happens that looks like, you know, that shouldn't have happened, well, then they assume that you're cursed by God and it couldn't possibly be, uh, you couldn't possibly be uh, where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be, you're obviously in error. And uh, they're there to straighten you out. And I'll give you an example. As I was watching a documentary about King Henry VIII in the early 16th century, and he wanted to have a male child to be the heir to his throne. And his, um, his first wife didn't give him one, so he got rid of her. And his second wife, um, Anne Boleyn, she gave birth to a male child, but it was stillborn. And so his conclusion was, obviously, she's cursed by God. And so he, he quit talking to her, came up with reasons why she must be having um, adulterous relationships behind his back, and he had her head chopped off. And it's just an example of that's how people perceive what's, what's from God and what's not. But if you follow that line of thinking to its logical conclusion, you would have to say that the most spiritual, most righteous people on earth are George Soros, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, and on and on and on. All the wealthiest people, all the most prosperous people, they're the most righteous people. But people who um, only have a little or only have, uh, you know, just seem to just get by or or maybe they have something um, that has gone wrong in the, in their life. Obviously, no, they're they're not they're not righteous people. But did you ever notice when you read Psalm 23, the one that the whole world knows by heart, that in verse three it says, "He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake," and the very next verse says, "And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death." I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. So here you have a person in verse 3. They're on the right path. He's leading them in the paths of righteousness, the path of righteousness for his namesake. 
they're not doing anything wrong. They're right with God. In the very next verse, they find themselves in the valley of the shadow of death. So we should not think it strange when righteous people encounter trouble. God, by His Spirit, it says right there in that verse, and it says it in other places as well. He did the same thing with Ezekiel, by the Spirit. Ezekiel 37, He led him into the valley of dry bones, by the Spirit, a place where no one wants to go. But yet God led him there, a righteous man, a prophet of God, a man who hears from God clearly. But yet there he is in this place, and so that's just another example of how righteousness and right standing with God is not uh, determined by anything out in the physical realm. And the problem with living in that realm, first of all, it cuts you off when your eyes are focused out there and your ears or your attention is focused out there. It, you, your heart is in the wrong place so that you're not tuned in to that um, inner witness of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And it doesn't, this, I'm talking about people who are born again. You can be born again, you can receive the Lord in your heart and still be making the mistake of having your attention diverted out there. And what happens is it puts you in a position where you, you receive the same fruit that the people in Babylon receive, because when all your valuables are out there in that realm, they're in a place where an enemy can steal them, a thief can come and steal them, or they can become corrupted or whatever. And so you're subject to fear, and, and you're easily enslaved by the devil who brings the spirit of fear, telling you, I'm going to take that away from you. You're going to lose your possessions. You're going to lose your house. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose... The devil can come and try to speak lies of fe to terrify you and control you with thoughts of fear and tell you that's why you can't do what God said you can do. You can't fulfill what God put in your heart to do because he says, if you do that, I'm going to take all these things away from you. You're not going to be able to, to, to get by. You won't be able to make it. And so anyone who wants to live in that physical realm, righteous or unrighteous person, you're cutting yourself off from the realm of faith that God requires all of His people to receive from Him. And you're putting yourself in a position for Satan to torment you because wherever someone is in fear, they're in torment, and they're in bondage. But the good news is, everything that God has given His people is in a place where it's completely safe and secure. There's no safety deposit box on earth as secure as what God has for our possessions. We have entrusted them into His hands, and every single detail of everything of value he has it recorded. He has it protected. He has it secured for all eternity. And we have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. And I tell you, the devil does not like people who understand that truth. You are a big problem for him when you get through that, um, when you get that into your heart and your understanding that I have 
everything God says I have, and no man can take it away from me, and I'm no longer subject to fear. I'm no, so, I'm no longer afraid of losing my life or anything else because I entrust everything to God. There's nothing Satan can do to stop a, a person like that. And I had the Lord to, told me one time when my wife and I were in the midst of a, um, a, a severe attack in danger of losing our home. Um, it's a long story. I'm not going to go into it, but I, I did share this story in my book. But the Lord showed me standing right in front of me, I saw the devil, and I was swinging a giant sword, and I swung it right across his midsection, and he just jumped back and threw his arms up in the air to avoid getting sliced in half. And when I saw that, I heard the Lord say, the devil's biggest fear is a Christian soldier who has no regard for his own life. Because what I understood that night is that the devil's weapons are all offensive to bring us under bondage to fear, but yet he himself has no defense. His only defense is just what the Bible says, he will flee from you. He must turn and run away because he has nothing else. So if you want to live a power-filled, spirit-filled life of victory, over Satan and all his schemes. Just get that simple truth into your heart that everything of value in your life from now and for all eternity is safe and secure. And no man, no devil, no one can take it away from you. And therefore, you have nothing to fear. And everything that you have need of between now and the day you cross the finish line, God has promised that if you'll seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, He will give these things to you. And so those are the people on the face of the earth, as the, as the world enters the darkest time in history, God will have His remnant army who is not moved by anything that's happening around them. Okay, I'm going to stop there. I still have a few more points that I want to go over on this topic of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there's some amazing things, and God has been sending me some great information to share in upcoming podcasts, and I'm looking forward to that. But there are some things I'm so glad that he had me go back to the beginning because I'm learning a lot by doing this. And I'm seeing these uh, major important themes that uh, we, we are going to need to know uh, very well and, and know that they're scriptural. That's the main thing. I like to have scriptures to back up what I believe. And a lot of these things that I'm going to be sharing in these podcasts are topics that have been mostly neglected by the church. And so most of us, we don't know much about it. And yet it's all in the Bible. And it's time. We're the generation that needs to know. Uh, those things were written for our instruction. It's time to uncover these scriptures and understand what time it is and understand what's about to happen next and be prepared and be a light and a vessel that God can use. So congratulations. You made it to the end of this podcast. 
So thanks for joining me today, and I hope to be back again soon with another program. Until then, so long.